Hello and welcome to episode number 128 of the Random Thoughts podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill, and a very happy St. Patrick's Day to everybody. Here we are on March 17th, 2021. Still waiting for that curve to be flattened, but I have a corned beef brisket in the slow cooker and it's already smelling good. So it'll be a good day, I think. We do have an NFT update before we get into a little bit more on the story of St. Patrick and the Irish in America. But the NFT thing, man, I thought it was a good thing. After doing the episode last week, I thought I had learned quite a bit, but I did miss out on one key thing. So if you missed out on last week's episode, I hope you go back and listen to that. It's all about non-fungible tokens, this new thing that people are using to sell art and various other things online, kind of being pushed as the digital equivalent of the trading card, you know, that kind of a thing. But I missed a very important part of the NFT And I only realized this because I wanted to take part in the NFT thing. I created the artwork that I did for one of the No Agenda shows. Put that up there. Nobody's buying it. That's not a surprise. So there was some crypto down the drain on that. But the problem, I believe, isn't what I priced it at as much as what it costs to actually buy something using this system. So I went over to Rarible because I saw a post by a musician I like, the Reverend Horton Heat. And he's like, hey, we're going to try something. Uh, Putting out our new single as an NFT on Rarible. And you can go there and buy it. There's only a hundred of them. So limited supply operators are standing by, you know, that whole thing. And then I saw the complaints from him saying, well, only five people have taken part in this and and I don't quite get it. So I'm like, okay, what are they charging? What's the Reverend Horton Heat charging for this MP3 with a couple little other things digitally that you get if you were to make the purchase? And I looked and the amount that he had the MP3 priced at, I thought was fair. I mean, sure, it was more than people would normally pay for an MP3, but this was limited. One of a hundred. It's digitally signed. We've been told by people like Gary Vaynerchuk that you'll be able to resell this stuff. It'll go up in value because it's a limited quantity. So I'm like, yeah, okay, you know what? I'll help the Reverend Horton Heat out because I want to see how this side of the system works because I've already figured out how to make a piece of art and attach it to the token and put it up for sale on Rarible. And we talked about that on the last episode. But I was like, okay, 10, 12 bucks, whatever it was, it it varies because the price of Ethereum varies greatly during the day. So it goes up and it goes down. But I figured this was fair. I'll spend, I have like about 12, 13 bucks in Ethereum sitting in the one wallet. So I'm like, okay, I'll go help the Reverend Horton heat out. And I'll buy one of these MP3s because I know I have enough money in that wallet to cover it. And I was a little surprised. I mean, 
I knew there was a gas fee, which is just a really clever way to say a tax for using the system, just another fee for using the system. But every time you have a crypto thing going on, every time there is a transaction, is the word I'm looking for, with the crypto, with Ethereum, you have to pay the Ethereum gods, whoever they may be. They're VIG. Now, on this $10 to $12 MP3, my wallet's like, you don't have enough money. And I was shocked when I looked at what they were asking to add in order to cover this purchase. And at that point, and it goes up and down throughout the day, but at that point, the total cost for buying the 10 to $12 MP3 with the Ethereum fees was over $120. This is not a system set up for people to sell cheap things. If you're selling art that idiots are going to pay thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, maybe a million dollars or more, then the fees are kind of meaningless as the percentage. But the Reverend Horton Heat here was trying to do something simple and easy and put out a hundred singles, sell them for about 10 bucks a piece. But when you want to sell something to your fan base at $10 and with the fees, it comes out to over $120. I can see why people weren't snatching that up off the shelf, nor do I understand why any artist, the Reverend Horton Heat included, why you would want your people to pay that kind of an amount to the nameless collective that is Ethereum rather than just sending you 120 bucks direct if you're going to do something like that. So it makes absolute no sense, absolutely no sense to take part in this rareable thing at this point for anything that is reasonably priced and anything that you want to uh, keep the prices down. Because it just doesn't make sense. Because if you're going to buy this MP3 and you think it's going to go up in value and maybe you'll be able to make a profit on it because it's limited. Well, sure, it's $10 to the Reverend Horton Heat, which I mean, they're still going to take two and a half percent on rareable, which is fair. But you buy that $10 MP3 with a hundred and or whatever it was of fees added to it. Now, if you want to make money, you would have to sell that for uh, well over $120 and that for an MP3. I don't believe is ever going to happen because people are stupid, but they're not quite that stupid. So it was something interesting to learn. I'm glad I did. And this kind of bookends the last episode where, sure, if they can get the fees down, I see where the NFTs can be a really cool thing to distribute some artwork or music. But right now, not so much. I'm way more interested at this point when it comes to music into what Adam Curry and Dave Jones are putting together with the podcasting 2.0 concept where you can pay your podcasters if you want to opt in on it. A small amount for every minute that you listen. This, I think, is going to revolutionize the music business because this is going to allow for streaming services where the artists actually get paid based upon 
how often people are listening to their music. And it's a system that will bypass entirely the record labels for the small artists that don't have record labels. And it may at this point make the larger artists. I mean, although Taylor Swift's already making millions of dollars, but when your record label is taking a percentage on something you can do for yourself, that is going to change the game. And it's going to be fun to watch for now. The NFTs. I mean, if you still want to go buy my one piece of artwork, the price is going to keep coming down and down and down. I still don't think it's going to sell, but it was well worth the 60 bucks, whatever it was, to learn about the system and be able to give that information to you. Again, this is where the value for value comes in. I did the work so you don't have to do so. Now, back to St. Patrick, because it is St. Patrick's Day, and I know everybody's just excited to drink. And for me, it's mainly just having a corned beef. No cabbage this time. I mean, cabbage is okay, but the corned beef is way better. And I don't use water in the crock pot. Guinness is a very suitable replacement, and I think it makes the corned beef come out absolutely delicious. But it's St. Patrick's Day or St. Patty's Day, P-A-D-D-Y. Never, ever. St. Patty's Day, P-A-T-T-Y, Patty, P-A-T-T-Y is a girl's name, P-A-D-D-Y is what is derived from the Irish name Padrag, which is where St. Patrick would have come from. Now, when St. Patrick was born and when he died, nobody's really sure. The conventional wisdom is, was born around 385 and died around 461. He was not Irish. A lot of people don't realize that. St. Patrick was not Irish. He was a British lad who grew up in Britain. His father was a deacon. His grandfather was a priest. And he was not really interested in religion at all. When he was 16 years old, he was minding his own business walking along the beach there and a group of irish raiders came up grabbed him and made him a slave which he was for six years in ireland where he was mainly a shepherd his faith grew while he was in captivity the story was he prayed day and night sometimes a hundred prayers or more in the day and a hundred prayers or more at night After the six years, he had a dream where God spoke to him and he told him that his ship was ready to bring him back home. And Patrick just got up and start walking and made it to the coast where he saw a ship and was able to get passage on the ship and was reunited with his family back home where he was very restless, which I guess would make sense after what he had been through. And after a while, he had another dream. This recollection of the dream comes from his writing, quote, I saw a man coming as it were from Ireland. His name was Victoricus, and he carried many letters, and he gave me one of them. I read the heading, The Voice of the Irish. As I began the letter, I imagined in that moment that I heard the voice of those very people 
who were near the wood of Folkland, which is beside the Western Sea, and they cried out, as with one voice, We appeal to you, holy servant boy, to come and walk with us. At the time, Patrick didn't think he was worthy to do so because he was overall uneducated in religious things. So he trained. He became a bishop and eventually returned back to the shores of Ireland, where he is credited with bringing Christianity to the Emerald Isle. He's known for using a shamrock, a three leaf plant, to explain the Holy Trinity the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, and his teachings caused a cultural transformation for Ireland. By the time of his death, the slave trade was gone, violence and tribal warring were drastically reduced, and Ireland was celebrating a renaissance of culture and learning, which is why Patrick is the patron saint of Ireland. An article on the Britannica website says this, quote, Patrick himself wrote that he raised people from the dead in a 12th century hagiography places this number at 33 men. So no agenda listeners, 33. It always shows up somewhere. Some of whom are said to have been deceased for many years. He also reportedly prayed for the provision of food for hungry sailors that were traveling by land through a desolate area and a herd of swine miraculously appeared. The very first St. Patrick's Day parade that went on anywhere in the world was in New York City in 1762. And today there are, guess how many million Irish Americans? Yeah, 33 million. There's that number again. Only 5 million people living in Ireland, but there are 33 million Irish Americans here in the United States, which shows you that the reach of St. Patrick has gone well around the world. The story of the Irish coming to America, though, is a very interesting thing. We had the Irish Great Famine in the mid-1800s. And that is when a majority of the Irish started coming to America in about 1850 or so. Irish Catholics coming in, they were not looked upon with great reverence by the people currently living in the United States. They took dangerous, low-paying work. They were immigrants, after all. Discrimination was rampant against the Irish. Even the KKK attacked them, which, I mean, I guess we shouldn't be surprised. There was an area of New York City called Five Corners that had a plethora of gang activity going on. At that time in New York City, again, this is going back to about 1850, there were about 30,000 gang members in New York. The Irish were 55% of those arrested in the city, but overall, we're only 25% of the population. We're hearing numbers like that now about a different minority group, but you can't blame the police for being against the Irish in New York back then because about 30% of the New York police department was also Irish. 
But when we look at this history back in the 1860s, most of the riots going on in the United States, the Irish, we were a, uh, a salty lot that would stand up for our rights. And rioting was a thing back then, as we know it is a thing now. I was watching a clip from a documentary on the Irish coming to America. And one of the quotes just jumped out at me, which is, quote, organized violence as a means of protest does have its roots in Irish culture. So I guess we have the Irish to blame for a lot of what's going on in the United States and worldwide right now. Maybe. I don't know. In 1849, to show you the difference between the West Coast and East Coast here in the United States, as always, things, viewpoints are different. In 1949, in San Francisco, California, the chief of police was Irish Catholic. In 1851, two years later, simple math, the first Irishman was allowed to join the Boston Police Department. And when that officer was brought on, the complete night watch resigned in protest. So a little bit of uh, racism there, a little bit of hatred for the Irish. At the same time in Pennsylvania, the Irish committed a 30% of the homicides, but were 20% of the population. 60% of those hung in San Francisco in the 1850s, yeah, they were Irish, and they were 15% of the population there. They were 25% of the prisoners. Again, this seems to be echoing something that's going on today. At the same time, because the Irish in America had the reputation of being a drunken and violent lot. Where back in Ireland at the same time, they were only getting about two homicides per 100,000 people. So not exactly anywhere near the same thing. The Irish did a lot of the chain migration. So they came to the United States. They sent a lot of money home to bring their families here to the United States to join them. It's estimated that between 1850 and 1900, about $250 million was sent back home to Ireland to their families. And of course, that continued to bring people here to the United States. And since we're dealing with the time right now of very much wokeness, let's talk about the phrase paddy wagon or even paddy in general, which is often a derogatory term that people use for the Irish. Now, it's also a term that the Irish used among themselves, where then it's not a slur. Kind of reminds me of another word. You know the one. But the etymology of the word is not completely certain, but it either goes back to the 1840s and 1850s, when the police wagons were often filled with those horrible Irish folks. And that's why it was called a paddy wagon. Or it maybe came a little bit later, or maybe it morphed. Because then the Irish were smart. They went from being the criminals to the police. And then it was called the paddy wagon because that's where you wound up if one of the Irish cops picked you up. Either way, it is a slang term for the Irish. And depending who's using it, it's either a slur or not. But the Irish realized that if they wanted to be successful, they had to take part in this system. 
and they had strength in numbers and they eventually got involved in politics with things like having Irishmen elected mayors of towns like Boston with Hugh O'Brien of New York with William R. Grace. And of course, eventually we had Irish American presidents of the United States, the first being Andrew Jackson the seventh president of the United States, the first to claim Irish ancestry. His parents had just come over from Ireland two years previous to his being born. Then we had James Knox Polk, the 11th president of the United States. Then James Buchanan, Ulysses S. Grant, William McKinley, Theodore Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson. Yeah. He had some Irish in him, too, but not as much as John Fitzgerald Kennedy, one of the most beloved presidents in United States history, and also one that has some of the strongest Irish heritage with all four of his grandparents hailing from the Emerald Isle. His paternal grandfather was born and raised in New Ross County, Wexford. His maternal grandfather hailed from County Limerick. And from what I understand, it was a pretty big deal at the time that he was a Catholic being elected president of the United States. Then we had President Ronald Reagan, where both of his great grandparents were Irish Catholic immigrants. George Herbert Walker Bush. If you go back far enough, you'll find out that George H.W. Bush has an ancestor that's somewhat famous in the Irish history books. Richard DeClaire, he was known as the Earl of Pembroke, or more commonly known as Strongbow himself. Shunned by King Henry II, he joined the 12th century Norman invasion of Wexford in exchange for power and land, and subsequently married the King of Leinster's daughter. Then we had Bill Clinton with some Irish roots, and he actually contributed to the Northern Ireland peace process. Then we have the other George Bush, the younger, of course. And then we have Barack Obama, who also has ties to the Emerald Isle coming from his mother's side. His third great grandfather, Fulmouth Kearney, left the small village of Moneygall for New York in 1850. After learning of this heritage in 2011, Barack Obama and his wife, Michelle, did visit Ireland where he had a pint in the local pub, gave a speech to thousands of people at Dublin's College Green. And his visit has been honored with the Barack Obama Plaza, which is a gas station, fast food restaurant, and convenience store. So, okay. So I guess if you're ever in the area getting some gas or want a bite to eat or to pick up some groceries, you can go to Barack Obama Plaza. After that, Donald J. Trump also was a president that found out fairly late that he had some Irish heritage. A DNA test that was conducted by the experts at the Boston Genetic Institute discovered that President Trump does have some Irish heritage, and they tracked it down to a small village that was originally 15 kilometers west of the Cary town of Dingle, but due to severe coastal erosion, the village is no longer there. But yes, Donald J. Trump had some Irish heritage, as does our current president, Joe Biden. 
So when you have that Guinness today and celebrate St. Patrick's Day, I hope you understand a little bit more of the history of the Irish. A people, when they came to the United States, were at the lowest rung of just about every ladder, but through hard work and perseverance, have become quite successful here in the land of the free and the home of the brave. And when you toast St. Patrick, do so. Not because he drove the snakes out of Ireland. There were really never any snakes in Ireland. That's all a big lie. But he did drive out a lot of those evil spirits, and he brought religion to an area that totally transformed the country into what it is today. If a British guy can be the patron saint of Ireland, anything can happen in this world. Here at the Random Thoughts Podcast, we do work on the value for value model, which means we put these shows out there. We hope you get some value by consuming those. We hope you learn something. We hope you're entertained. And whatever value you get out of the show, you show that back to us in some way, shape, or form, including monetarily. And we have two people to thank for today's show, including Sir Saturday, who comes in with $50. And a note that just says, for all you do, thank you, Sir Saturday. We appreciate it. Sir Saturday had been ruffling some feathers over on No Agenda Social, got blocked by both Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak, the two hosts of the No Agenda podcast. So I think maybe this is just trying to make some penance or something like that. Whatever the reason, Sir Saturday, really, we do appreciate your support of the Random Thoughts podcast. And we hope you get some value out of it as well. And also coming in today with $26, which was half a donation that he sent in for this show and the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast, the show that I do with Ryan Bemrose Monday and Fridays. He sent in $52 to celebrate his 52nd birthday. So happy birthday to Brian Genac. And I hope I'm getting that right. He tried to correct me. And that just screws me up sometimes. Because I had been saying Genac, and it's not a hard G. I know that. So I think it's Genac. And if I'm wrong again, feel free to send in some more money and tell me I'm an idiot, Brian. We appreciate it. We appreciate you listening to the shows. We appreciate you supporting the shows. And I hope you had a good birthday. And thank you for making us a part of it and helping you celebrate here and over on Grumpy Old Ben's. If you want to take part in the value for value model, the easiest thing to do is go over to our website at randomthoughts.com, R-A-N-D-U-M-B, thoughts.com. Click that donate button where you can do a one-time donation or a monthly donation through PayPal. You can get the QR code for our Bitcoin wallet. You can get the text for our Bitcoin wallet. You can get the P.O. box address if you want to send something in snail mail. Any of those work. And we appreciate everybody for listening and for supporting the Random Thoughts podcast. With all that said, I hope everybody enjoys their St. Patrick's Day and the hangover that some of you will have tomorrow. We appreciate you giving us your time by listening to the shows, and we appreciate everybody that supports us in all sorts of different ways, which is why next week we will be back with another episode of the Random Thoughts Podcast. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 